CT is yet again not targeted and only gets stronger. And what the fuck are you doing, Emerald Cell? Plus, Josh and Logan bro out in Espanol. Amanda goes full Rose from Titanic. Tori goes full Emmanuel in the shower. Big T can't even eat a donut in peace. And ropes are heavily involved. And this time, there isn't even a Nelly T or Corey boot camp in sight. It's the challenge. Spies, lies, and allies. Episode 13 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the Challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hollibald. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today. On today's podcast is all about... Episode 13 of Spies, Lies, and Allies. We just got done watching it live with y'all, and we are fired up to talk about it because, god damn, are some people stupid? Um, I don't know if it was a great episode, but it had me feeling a bunch of different ways throughout and pretty fired up on it. So I guess that is what makes an episode great, so there's that. But we are going to discuss it, as we always do. And like the past few weeks, we are going to do so by using the following format. First up... A Cliff Notes recap of everything that happened in the episode, then a detailed walkthrough of every segment by segment of the show, share our thoughts on all the major storylines, follow that up, we will hand out some awards, best strategy, worst strategy, best quote, best moment, and an episode MVP, and finally we will wrap up with an update to our power rankings, which have changed quite a bit from last week, and some predictions for the season moving forward. Housekeeping to get to before we begin. If you are listening to this, then I assume you are a big fan of the challenge. Thanks again for being here. But I also also assume and almost guarantee that you know that Spies, Lies, and Allies is about to be joined in airing by All Stars 2 starting next week, which means we are dropping our All Stars 2 preview extravaganza podcast tomorrow or today. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be today that we're dropping that podcast as well as this one, or maybe it's already out depending on when you are listening to this current podcast. Either way, All Stars 2 is close, and we've got the preview you not only want but deserve ready for you here at The Challenge Historian. So go check that out. And moving forward, we will be doing recap pods of both Spies, Lies, and Allies as well as All Stars 2 and... We will still be doing Tuesday review preview pods that not only cover Spies, Lies, and Allies, but also cover All-Stars, both shows all in one, true insanity, three pods, one week for the foreseeable future. It's going to get wild. It's going to get crazy. So make sure you are hitting that follow button if you're listening on Spotify, that subscribe button if you're on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen, hit the follow, subscribe, rate, review, all of that good stuff so you don't miss any of the action. And go get that Paramount Plus subscription or that login info from your brother's ex-girlfriend or whoever you steal login info from. If you don't already have it, get it dialed in. You've only got one more week. However you're watching Spies, Lies, and Allies, clearly at this point of the season, you've got that set up. Make sure you got that Paramount Plus ready to go because next week we are going to be double dipping. Prepare yourself for all the challenge content you can handle. Two seasons running simultaneous, two recap pods, one review preview pod, three pods coming, all the content from the challenge historian. Plus, 
if somehow that wasn't enough, be sure to be checking out the YouTube channel this Saturday. This Saturday. Two days from when you're hearing this. One day from when you're hearing this. Right now when you're hearing this, depending on when you are listening to this. We will be put forward, putting forth our first ever YouTube-only video. We might eventually put it on the podcast feed. We might not. Edited video on YouTube. Our pitch for the greatest challenge season there ever could be. We are freely putting it out in the world for Buna Murray to steal without credit. We don't care. We just need to see it. The people need to see it. The people deserve it. So catch our first ever solo YouTube edited video with our first ever pitch to the challenge gods, a.k.a. Buna Murray and the producers for what we all need to see as the best possible challenge season there ever could be for the franchise moving forward. Okay, with that. What we need to see right now is me talking about Spies, Lies, and Allies, episode 13. So let's get it popping. Let's hit it off, start it off with our Cliff Notes recap of this episode. Kicking things off with our Cliff Notes recap, everything that just went down, um, this episode picked up a little bit more heavy on the plot versus the last episode, episode and a half or so, so... Got a lot to cover here. As quickly as we can, we will cover it all and get your brains wrapped back around on everything that we just saw. So here we go. Three, two, one. As quick as we can, we're going to be talking real, real, real real fast. Here we go. Everyone is starved, as always, post-layer and has a bite to eat while Ruby Team plus Kyle talk shit about Amanda and Emmy tells us that CT and Lady Gaga are her only two idols in life. Next day, the cast is given a massive amount of meat that CT decides all needs to be grilled at one time, so they have a cookout slash day party, and Emmanuel shares stories about his culture before sharing his body with Tori in the shower, only to be interrupted by Big Big T, who just needs to go to the bathroom. Then we get some classic male bonding. First, Josh and Logan chat in Espanol, and it's actually a really nice moment. No jokes here. Then Corey and Nelson do a classic Corey and Nelson chat about winning, being everything, and whatnot. But also Josh is playing them or something along those lines. Then daily challenge ensues called sunken intelligence. There is a shipwreck with 150-foot rope tangled around its railings. You've got to swim out, untangle the whole rope, attach that rope to a chest at the bottom of the water, pull the chest and the rope to land, take out the gem, fastest team to do so wins. Clearly being advantaged by having six people for this mission versus five or four, Emerald seems to maybe take a long time but actually goes much faster and wins yet again. Amanda kind of maybe doesn't really help Ruby that much. Kyle drives Ashley crazy while Emmy starts to drive CT crazy over on Sapphire. Back of the house, Emerald Cell now in control. They're not great winners and are getting on everyone's nerves, but they also keep winning, so it doesn't really matter. The cast heads to the bar, and no bar activities are really had, honestly. Instead, it's just team meetings where Ruby, amongst the three teams, falls into complete and utter chaos. Nelson goes at Amanda with some strays, throwing a big T, and it's all just dumb and ugly and pointless. House, again... Emerald deliberates. Tori is the only intelligent one on the team who at least says they should think about throwing in CT. Josh and Devin, they're more concerned with defending their pals, Logan and Kyle. We head to nominations. Those come around. All the guys make a case for not wanting to go in. Emerald seems actually in disagreement slash confusion for the first time in four times being in this position, but eventually they vote and they do pick Corey. Corey goes on the warpath. He tells everyone that he's going to win. He's going to go to Emerald. He's going to throw the next guy's mission, and he's going to go into the lair again on purpose to call out Devin or Josh and make them meet him in the sand. It all sounds great. Great strategy, but... 
you got to win this elimination first. Which, when we head to the lair, Corey picks Logan. They play rope burn, where you stand on top of a round cage, holding a rope that is on fire between the two of you. Shake and pull the rope until the other person falls off or drops the rope. Best two out of three wins. It's a little slow moving at first, but eventually Logan wears out. Corey wins both round one and round two. Not that difficult for him without really seeming threatened at all. Corey is gone. Logan now has the choice to make. And for some reason... He doesn't infiltrate Emerald. He picks to replace Kyle on Sapphire, making it four to four to six in total team members. And that is where our episode ends. There you have it. That's everything that happened in this episode. A lot went down. Some real great moments, some real dumb moments. A lot of moments, though, to talk about. So let's move into our complete episode breakdown, segment by segment, all of our thoughts on the storylines. Beginning our walkthrough of the episode. So as we've done the last couple of weeks, we will, instead of doing main storylines and secondary storylines and then the sporting events, we're just going to group it all kind of together uh, because once we pretty much hit the the change over the halfway point of the season and the change over to Cutthroat 2 versus Double Agents 2, uh, we've kind of we've had less and less of like a, a main storyline to talk about with little side storylines and more so just one cohesive kind of episode. So it's just been easier to to discuss it in this format as we will today. So uh, first and foremost, before we even get into it, they somehow no one has thrown in CT yet. And that will be a common refrain throughout this episode. I don't know what the fuck all of these people are doing. The guys and the girls both. I mean, the guys for certain in case it ends up being individual, um, but the women too, in case this, this seems like it is going to be teams in the end, like they want to create more than one or two champions out of this group and they want to help maybe help a few people that might not win in a single or an individual or pair situation get that elusive challenge victory. They maybe want to help boost those people's egos and uh, resumes. Uh, we're not going to go there yet, but anyways, everyone should want to throw in CT. Just give it a shot. No one does. We'll talk about it a lot. But anyways, let's actually go through the episode in order. So we start with the uh, the opening segment, everything pre-daily challenge. A uh, few notes from here. We did have a nice uh, regular, if you will, quote-unquote regular, as the way we like it here at Challenge Historian. Episode of the challenge, we get stuff of the house, daily challenge, stuff of the house, layer. I like when we get the kind of four clean segments like that. I do kind of wish the stuff of the house segments were a little longer and maybe the challenge and the layer were a tiny bit shorter. The challenge was a tiny bit shorter, kind of. Uh, maybe I just want this show to be longer, actually, and more more house stuff because I like all the other stuff. Anyways, we're pre-daily challenge. Let's get on track here, Jacob. So uh, a few notes from this. One, <laughs> these people seem legitimately starved for food because – for the, is what, episode 13? So for the 12th episode in a row, and honestly, maybe even the 13th, and maybe even the 14th, because episode zero, the the activation special, if you will, which was really episode one, poorly marketed. Um, even in those, they might have ran right for the food. But every single time I get a chuckle at the beginning, literally the first seconds of every episode, when immediately they come back in the house and there's two things that have to happen. One, whoever won the elimination has to walk into the house first, and everyone has to say, woo, go, Corey or, or Kyle or Amanda or Ashley or whoever whoever won, go you, go Emmy, whatever. And then immediately 
Everyone rushes to the refrigerator that's clearly been restocked while they're gone with new frozen pizzas. And CT is always, for like three, four, five episodes, I need to go back and check what his streak is. But he is, he doesn't always go in first because his team has never won and he's never been in elimination. But he's always the first to the freezer or the refrigerator to dive into the food. Um, so that's just been a funny thing that's been occurring this season, even more than ever before. Um, the uh, and then food plays a big role again. They get a feast of meats provided for the day party, which looks amazing. I mean, they have a huge island in that kitchen of theirs, and that thing's full of meat all over the place. Just tons and tons and tons of stuff to grill up. Uh, CT does some real weird CT voices about grilling meat. It's all it's all interesting. Uh, but Emmanuel uh, tells some stories from home, from Romania, about how at Christmas time they always they always roast a big pig, um, which is uh, which is a tradition they have, not that different from some places here in America that we know of. One of them, um, I, I have a friend in the Serbian community that does something similar. I don't know if it's at Christmas, but roasting pigs not something foreign to uh, Americans in any way. But the part that is a little foreign to CT and all the others in the room and to me at home and the viewer is that. There's also this tradition for Emmanuel and his family and uh, the the culture he takes part in back in Romania is that they don't just roast a big pig. It's that before they roast the dead pig, all of the children climb on top of it and take pictures. And we actually get to see some pictures of what I assume because they show him while he's talking. It's Emmanuel himself as a child uh, sitting on top of of a deceased uh, pig or hog about to be roasted. And the whole thing's hilarious. And I just feel glad knowing how hungry these people all clearly are that they get this big old feast and they have this nice cookout. They have this nice day party. And that day party leads to the hookup that's been simmering for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, we've predicted it for a few weeks in a row. We, we kind of gave ourselves credit for the prediction last week when Tori and Emmanuel did end up in the bed together, but we didn't actually see technical romantic hooking up. This episode we did, though, because... Tori and Manuel, fresh off of what I uh, what appeared to be a victory in beer pong, uh, head on into the house together, thinking everyone's outside. CT's grilling. No one's leaving that day party. We're totally by ourselves. We can just sneak off into the bathroom real quick. And they try to use the plumbing excuse, the the sink, the the toilet, the shower. It's all all the plumbing's broken. We're just plumbers here. Um, and unfortunately for them. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't seem like they get too far into whatever they've got going on before Big T uh, walks in and you know has need need to use the bathroom. Which you know, hey, they're having a day party. People got to go to the bathroom. You go in to go to the bathroom. You don't know that you're going to find Emmanuel and Tori in there hooking up in the shower. But that's what Big T finds. So that relationship has finally blossomed full on. And between the hookup. Um, them playing beer pong together, them being giddy, a part of the giddy Emerald Cell team and joining each other, them dancing together. Seems like these two are are full on, not just like, hey, you're attractive, I'm attractive, you're attractive, I'm attractive, maybe we should like hook up once in a while, but are like full on like spending all their time together and vibing on each other and together. And who knows? Uh, no words yet, I'm sure, on Aftermath, Devin Simone will grill uh, Tori, um, or Emmanuel or both, if they're both there about this and if anything has lasted beyond the show, but we'll find that out later, but they finally hook up and then we get a couple, couple guy chats, Logan and Josh first, um, which actually I was, I was kind of 
one else that was actually a legitimately like nice, cool, uh, like heartwarming moment between the two of them chatting in Spanish. Uh, Logan, um, who you know comes from Survivor Spain, comes from Spain, speaks Spanish, English. Obviously, for him, the whole season has been, you know, uh, while he certainly gets by and and uh, you know is able to communicate and make his his points known, is clearly his second language and can be a bit of broken English at time, and has one of those things on this season full of. A lot of all these international people, all that, you know, English is a second language for a lot of the cast that came in this season, how that is, while it's a really, really cool thing from the show's perspective of both, you know, getting to see more and more people from all over the world, different types of people from different types of places, from different types of cultures, and for the cast themselves, the really cool experience of meeting all these people from all these places and cultures and languages and all this stuff. Um, it is a disadvantage in the show, and I, I, I don't think there's any you know, there's anything bad about saying that, you know, in, in a game where the majority of the people speak English and the show is being filmed in English, that it is a disadvantage for those that come into the house. And like, this is not just my second, second language, but like, it's, it's a language I'm not a hundred percent comfortable in, you know, maybe, maybe doing a television show with. And Logan even, uh, cops to that, um, during his discussion with Josh, he mentioned straight away, like Josh, like asked him, like, you know, is this, uh, you know, I know this is hard for you always having to talk in English. Um, and clearly this isn't the first time that they've communicated in Spanish. I, I would assume the, the relationship that is alluded to and talked about by both of them between each other has grown off of more than just this one conversation. This is just the first time we're seeing it, but, um, it's really nice between them. Logan owns up to like, you know, this game would be a lot easier if, if I felt like I could speak my mind more easily. If this was in Spanish and the English does is like, uh, is something that's difficult for me and makes it worse. Um, that was really cool to see and really interesting to see. We also learn from this conversation that Logan, he's here just to win. He likes winning. He says flat out, and I believe him. He's like kind of, he's like very genuine in the moment. Sometimes there's these moments where people are like, I don't even care about the money. I don't care about the money. I just want the title. I just want this and that. And it's like, no, like everyone, like you should, no hate at you, but you care about the money. His seems like legitimately genuine when he's like, you know, I don't even care about like winning the money. All I, the only thing I've thought about doing with money if I win is buying a surfboard. That's all I need. Um, he just wants to win because he likes to win. Um, and they both talk about protecting each other. And honestly, the whole thing, it's one of the, the greatest moments in Josh's entire challenge career. Um, as I think I've, without trying to be too too hard on the guy or open about it, I definitely, uh, Josh isn't necessarily one of my favorites on the show. I think he's an amazing human. And this is a, this is another testament to like, he's one of the, the great human beings, really good people, good human that has come on this show. That doesn't always mean that he's great, that the person is great on the show just because you're a good human. In fact, kind of historically in the challenge, some of the times it means that you're not actually that good at the show because you're almost like too, just like too nice and genuine and like good of a person. And uh, I have kind of not 
you know, I've, I've shared no no bones in saying that Josh isn't one of my favorite people on the show, and that I would prefer maybe a season or two without him um, or the, of that Big Brother trio. I've kind of defended like if you could do a season with Fessy but not Josh or Casey, I think people would feel different. Or Casey but not Josh or Fessy, I think people would feel different about her. Um, but this moment's one of the best of Josh's career and is everything that's great about the guy because he is obviously a wonderful friend, a wonderful human being. And this is a great moment between the two of them and a very revealing moment and a very intimate moment that I think needed to be shared on a season like this with so many international players speaking English as their second language. We needed to hear someone say, because I'm not, I'm sure Logan is not the only one on this season who felt the way of, you know, if I could play this game in my native tongue, I, it would feel way different. And the, the English thing is a real barrier for me. And it's something that, you know, is actually like hurting my game in certain ways and making certain things more difficult for me versus you. Um, and it was all just really interesting. And honestly, it all made me literally want to learn Spanish just to hang out with Logan more. Cause he just seems really fun and really awesome and really cool guy. Um, so that was that Corey Nelson then talked. Uh, they say Josh is shady, uh, kind of feels like it's setting up Josh versus Corey, which we eventually don't get. And that's all that for the pre-daily challenge. So let's move into the daily challenge itself. That would be called sunken intelligence shipwreck. You got to untangle 150 feet of heavy rope from the shipwreck, clip it on a treasure chest, pull the treasure, treasure chest to shore and, uh, get the gem out, put it on the pedestal fastest time wins. Overall, grading the daily challenge itself, I would say B+. One uh, one tally in its favor it is legitimately difficult. I like when they're legitimately difficult. Uh, two, one of my favorite things in all of the challenges, the mixture of physical and mental, and when you get the, the puzzle of sorts, that is a that is a physical puzzle, basically, um, which this is a similar is a version of that. You got this big old heavy rope that you have to untie. There's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of mental side of that, but at the same time, you're treading water. You're pulling a 150 foot heavy rope, and you're swimming and you're diving. And it's very strength based, but it's also very mental based. I love that. I love not so fast. Is one of my favorite eliminations that I thought we were getting set up to have on this episode and we didn't. But anyways, uh, B plus overall, very good challenge. Not quite a great, great daily challenge, but a very good one. Um, overall comments, unfair teams for the, uh, the third straight daily challenge. Now this is the fourth that they have done in the teams. And for the third straight, since the first one, it was six for six or six and everyone since then, Less people has been a big disadvantage and more people has been a big advantage for Emerald Cell, which, um, you know, is just, uh, it's getting kind of annoying and frustrating at this point. Like the first time when it first, first happened, it wasn't that big of a deal. It was like, all right, one team has one person less and it is a disadvantage, but like, you know, they lost the first elimination of this new format. So it is what it is. But then when it's second time and third time and it's just, it's come on. We gotta, you gotta find a way to make this even between the teams and not just be who gets the best team to start, who wins the first elimination. Now you guys are just going to dominate and you're never going to be in danger. And it's going to be all about who changes onto what team and who shakes what up. But Emerald team, big advantage. Um, also biggest question. Wouldn't you know, Jacob has questions about the rules of the daily challenge 
Who reties the rope? Who resets the rope in the water? Because there's only one shipwreck out there. They all go out to the same ship. They all go and and untie the same 150 foot rope. But you you have to retie that rope three different times. Who's to say that any of this was fair or balanced or even, or that the the knots were in the exact same spot? How much time did they take? What did, were they working off some drawling? You know. I, I want to talk to the people, the produ- the people on the production team that actually physically went in the water and retied this shit, and how dedicated they were to making it the exact same for every team, because it it just there's no way it could have been. There's just no way it could have been. It would have taken an immense amount of work to make this the exact same for the, all three teams, and uh, that also leaves me is the difference between this being a B plus and an A full like full stop daily challenge because I have yet again have a question about the rules have a question about how it's made and have a question about like is it actually fair for all the teams anyways let's talk about the three teams and how they each did emerald went first devin can't help himself but have a strategy even if this one is totally inconsequential and pointless but he's got to explain the strategy because that's just his role on the team and i love devin if you've been listening to this podcast all season obviously you know big big devin fan over here so i say this in good nature, but the little confessional where he's like, here's our strategy. Here's what we're going to do. And then two minutes later, our strategy didn't work. It was shit. Uh, just, you know, he's got to be the strategy guy on that team to keep his place. And, you know, I applaud him for keeping his hold on his personal storyline in this season and in this show. And you got to do what you got to do. So props to him, even if it was kind of hilarious. Um, their chest drops halfway back. Um, which seems like another, like, you know, didn't fall off for anyone else. Seemed like the same clip. I'm not going to blame Josh. It seemed like he, for the one who was the one who clipped it on, like he clipped it on the way it was supposed to be clipped on. It fell off. Didn't end up mattering, but it was another like, Hey, is this fair for everyone? Is this the same for everyone? But Emerald goes, they try to make a big deal about, Ooh, they're not doing that good. They dropped the chest. They're not working perfect. Their strategy isn't working. And lo and behold, they're actually smoking everyone else. Sapphire goes four people, huge disadvantage, as we've said. Uh, they go for the two people aside, basically working in pairs. MECT, you go over here, you untangle this half. Kyle, Amanda, Kyle, excuse me, Kyle Ashley, you go over here, you untangle your half. Once we both get done, we'll decide which side we pulled all the way through. Both of those two pairs end up upset at each other. CT and Ashley, the champs, realize that their partners, Kyle and Emmy, Maybe not listening to them 100%, maybe not doing the best at this one. Although on the Ashley-Kyle, it's hard to tell if Ashley's just uh, just needs to talk and be dramatic throughout the whole thing because that's kind of her MO, how she gets shit done, how she wins stuff, or if Kyle is actually continually messing up over and over and over. Um, CT is starting to question his choice in bringing, being so gung-ho about bringing Emmy onto his team. I think CT's just maybe really starting to question like, man, they're really going to make me run this in teams. Can I please just do this by myself? Can you just give me one partner? Can I just have Ashley? Can I just have Ashley? That's all I need. Just do it in pairs. I think that's what's really going through CT's head. I don't think it's anything towards Emmy specifically. I think it's just him realizing this is going to be teams and maybe I won't win as easily as I thought I was about to win because a team is a different ordeal than one partner or individual where I will obviously win. Anyways, Ruby goes, Amanda is initially told 
just go stand to the side. Although we only hear Amanda actually say that she's told to stand to the side. We never hear anyone else actually tell her, like, hey, just get out of the way. Uh, but she chooses to do that. Uh, she goes pretty far with it. She goes full Titanic row. She does the Titanic pose a couple different times. She uh, waves. She does some other poses. She just all around doesn't give maximum effort for sure. The edit is certainly not helping her. I'm sure it's not actually as bad as they make it in the edit where they go, you know, they splice confessional after confessional of teammates being like, Amanda's just not giving a shit with Amanda waving and posing and stuff. Um, I'm sure it's not as bad. She didn't, it wasn't quite as bad as what they made it look, but it's not a great look regardless of if anything after this happens is, is not a good look for those giving her shit and how they go about giving her shit is not going to look, you gotta, you gotta help your team win. You need, you want, you should want your team to win. I get maybe in the future, she wants to sabotage for different reasons, but even though it's a guy's day, even though you just got on this team and you haven't been received all that well, you need for your chances to win this whole thing. You need to break up this Emerald squad of Casey, Tori and Nani, just as much as anyone else. You need to break up these teams as much as anyone else. And you need to get Ruby the win and keep your team strong because you're secretly right there on the cusp of competing and winning the next daily challenge on the women's week and keeping yourself safe and getting yourself to a final with a decently solid team. So uh, not a good look there. Emerald wins again. And yeah, yeah, they're four, they're four for four. And if they keep making these where the having more people is a huge advantage, they're now up six to four to four and they're just going to keep winning every single one. And it's not going to be that exciting. We move on to the fourth, third segment post daily challenge. And, uh, got to be mentioned yet again because it was the first thing we wrote in our notes immediately after the daily challenge is we wrote so logan versus kyle it is and then dot 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 wait they've got to go it for ct right if they really don't throw in ct right now then just give up never come back to the challenge josh or devin because what the fuck are you doing throw in ct everything from this point of the episode on should be them plotting and deciding that ct should go in and it should be ct and whoever he's going against getting all the attention the rest of the episode. That's what it's going to be, right? That's what it should be, right? No, they're really still not going to do it. So let's talk about each part of this on the way to that realization. First up, uh, Devin specifically, but the Emerald team in general, continues to rub people the wrong way. And Victory Ashley calls out Devin in hilarious fashion for obviously never having been on a winning team before in his life because he doesn't know how to handle it. That was very funny. Devin also probably doesn't give a flying fuck because he and his team, well, they just win everything. So what's it really matter? They even say, I think Devin and Josh say to each other at the fridge, everyone hates us. And then we're like, yeah, but like they can't beat us. So whatever, <laughs> which at this point, you know what? Hats off to both of you. True. Um, Corey and Josh have a discussion it's very icy. It's very clear in this moment that one of the two of them is going in, which means Corey is going in because Josh can't go in. Um, but they have an icy conversation where they're like, hey, we're friends. We were vets. We like each other. Corey, uh, to his credit, gives Josh a very backhanded compliment that I don't think Josh picks on the backhandedness of the compliment. But Corey's like, yo, you work really, really hard at this. It's paying off. You're doing great. You're in a great position. Well done, bro. And it's like, yeah, that's a compliment, Josh. But he's also kind of saying you've never made a final and like, hey, look at you. 
you're looking pretty safe and we're, st- you know, a little ways away from the final, but you're doing a good job this season. Great job. And it's, it's a little more backhanded than Josh thinks that it is. Then we go to the bar. It's one of the worst bar scenes we've seen in a long time, which is saying something given the last three seasons of this show during COVID, during the bubble bar era of this show. It's just team meetings at the bar. And, uh, you know, the Emerald ones, whatever, the Sapphire ones, whatever. Ruby Cell, theirs is a complete and utter mess. Uh, Nelson somehow turns another situation where he has every right to be upset with Amanda into a situation where he he looks not great for how much he's kind of riding Amanda and then Big T with some stray shots during it. Um, and I love Nelly T. Happy birthday. Shout out, by the way, uh, a day or two ago. Nelson, Nelly T, love you. Happy birthday. Um, not a good look at the bar, though, for he or the whole Ruby team or Amanda, even though Amanda, I come out of it liking Amanda, liking her reactions and her fuck you attitude. Um, again, you should have tried harder at the mission regardless of who's in the wrong in this this chaos of a discussion between the Ruby team. Um, but that's that. We go back to the house. Emerald team meets, and this is the moment. Uh, we're, I, don't, I don't have the timestamps. We're like an hour into the episode, and I'm like, here it is. Someone's going to do it. Devin and Josh are going to step up, and they're going to be like, you know what we need to do? We need to throw in CT. Who's with me? Because this guy's going to whoop our ass in a final. We talked about it earlier. Why don't we do it right now? We've got the advantage. Why don't we throw him in? Yeah, he's probably going to win. Fuck it. Throw him in. If we do, if he picks our team, maybe he just takes a Manuel spot, and we really, really coast to a championship here. But no, the idiots that they are, they all they can do is Josh can only say, hey, I don't want to throw in Logan. I really like Logan. Devin can be like, I don't really want to throw in Kyle. Kyle's kind of a guy. I guess it's Corey or Nelson. And Tori, of all people, Tori, who has been clearly working with CT the only time, the whole time, is the only one who even brings up, hey, should we think about throwing in CT? Because, like, he might beat us in a final. And Devin kind of is like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm okay with it, but like, you know, whatever. He like he's wishy-washy. No one else says a word. And I'm sorry. I like I like every member of the Emerald team um, as people. Uh, I root for some of them in a big, big way. But these fucking idiots, these fucking idiots. What are you doing? Tori's correct. Throw in CT. Why at this moment? You didn't even have to be the ones to bring it up, Emmanuel or Josh or Devin or Nani, who who desperately needs a win for to just vault her to a totally different status and challenge lore. You're all going to lose the CT if you let him be in the final versus you. Tori brings it up. Tori, CT's biggest ally, at least among these six people in this team, says, you know what? We should throw in CT. It's not a bad idea. It's almost a win-win for us. No one goes for it. Fucking idiots. Anyways, they had to elimination or elimination to nominations. Uh, all the guys give their pitch. CT smartly goes first, throws out that he's had the challenge blues, which um, I guess maybe we didn't witness any of this. There wasn't enough time to throw in, but I guess he he says he's been moping around for a couple days. He's got the challenge blues, um, and you know wants everyone not only wants everyone to respect him and not throw him in, but also not respect his team of misfits and throwaways and not throw in either of his team members, which uh, a big, a big kind of subtle 
you know, win for Kyle to have CT, who's notoriously always worked with Kyle, but also always kind of done Kyle dirty in the end, as much as Kyle does anyone he's working with dirty or tries to at some point. Uh, CT always does that to him, but CT standing up for Kyle even in this moment. We then get Nelson. He apologizes for his random outburst, uh, which never. Nelson apologizing to women for his random outburst at them. Um, again, we we legitimately love Nelson uh, here at Challenge Historian, and by that I mean me. Um, so I say that with a laugh. Um, Nelson also throws out there after his apology that if he goes in and wins, he will go back to Ruby. And he doesn't totally realize that saying that is not actually smart because that is that's what Emerald wants to hear. They want to vote someone in that they think could win and go back to their someone else's team, not their own. So not good. Nelson doesn't fully realize it's not good strategic to say that. Logan then talks and also says, hey, if I win, I want to come back to Team Ruby. I actually do like my team, but acknowledges, I know it's not smart. I know you want to hear that I'm going to infiltrate you and that will help me stay out of the lair, but I want to be honest. So another moment of Logan clearly gets the like strategy and the gameplay of this, even if he's willing to be the kind of nice guy, honest guy of it and put his cards on the table. Um, he definitely understands the strategy of all this. He understands the game very, very well. Um, in that moment, it was just very indicative of even a long-term vet doesn't realize that maybe what you're saying isn't exactly what you need to be saying to help you out right now. Nelson Logan says the same thing, but acknowledges I'm saying it cause I want to be honest, but I know that it's actually not what I should say because it's not what you want to hear. Kyle then goes, Kyle has one of the best moments of the whole episode when he's like, well, I guess it's my turn to talk. And, you know, I could promise this and that, but at the end of the day, I'm not, at some point, I'm not going to keep those promises and no one's going to believe them anyway. So I just don't want to go into the lair. And it's hilarious. And I just love the open snakeness that Kyle exhibits here in this moment in his entire challenge career. And then they get to the vote. And clearly for the second week in a row, it, it seems to be very, very clear that all six people on Emerald do vote and that they do vote individually. And I am praying that on Aftermath, when I watch Aftermath, we will find out what those votes were or we will at least get some definitive information on if they are voting individually or not. What the hell is going on? It's very unclear. But it seems like they vote individually. And who do they vote for? Do they vote for CT? Do they finally take a shot, even if he's probably going to win the elimination? Do they finally try to get out the best player in the game, the one that's clearly going to walk to victory if you let him get to the finals? No. Of course they don't. They pick Corey for the second time. What the fuck? And then right after nominations, Corey goes on the warpath. And maybe my favorite part of the whole episode, the part that got me really, really hyped, was everything Corey did right after the nominations is just perfect. He walks out. Nelson and Devin are right there. They want to chat. Devin wants to let him know that, you know, hey, none of this has anything to do with me. I legitimately tried. I did not want to pick you. And for some reason, this is all Josh's fault. He wants to protect Logan. I don't know why. And let's let's all kind of team up on Josh here. Let's make Josh the enemy on Emerald team. Uh, Corey isn't having it. He doesn't want any part of it. Nelson's kind of like, I, I tried, Devin. Sorry, I tried to have a powwow, but he's not listening to me. Then we get Corey versus Josh. Corey's like, yo, I thought you said I was safe. And Corey just goes on the full warpath and lets it be known. Yo, 
I'm going to go in there. I'm going to win. I'm going to choose Emerald's team. I'm going to pick a Manuel specifically so that you and Devin are still on the team so that next guy's round, I can throw the mission, make sure that we're up for elimination, volunteer to go in, pick your ass or Devin's ass to come into the sand with me, and we'll settle this shit in the sand. And it's all amazing. And it all gets me so hyped. And it makes me I'm just immediately like, I don't care who Corey picks. I want him to win the elimination. I want to see this. I want that to actually happen. Um, which sadly it doesn't eventually happen, but it's a great, great moment for a couple minutes and a great couple minutes of television. Um, and all of it is just, is just wonderful. Even if it, uh, doesn't, doesn't eventually work out the way that he thinks. Um, it is definitely the first, uh, first big slip up and wow, I'm an idiot. Second big slip up of Josh's game for the season. First big slip up was when he got his number one ally and biggest asset in the game, Fessy, thrown out because they had to get in a fight and he had to convince Fessy to touch his face. Um, second biggest one, though, he's running a real good political game. But this one, the, the 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 picking Logan in this instance, when it probably would have been Logan versus Corey anyways, uh, and maybe it was Logan versus Kyle. If you pick Logan, Logan picks probably calls out Kyle or, or Corey. One of the two ends up maybe being the same elimination, but less on your hands. So... Not great there. We head to the lair. Final segment of the show. Corey picks Logan. And I get it. It's it's either it's either Logan or Kyle. Obviously, he's not picking Nelson for very obvious reasons. And obviously, once you're in there, you ain't picking CT. No matter what you think you are about to play, you're not going against CT. You're just not. You want to be the one in Devin or Josh or Emmanuel's shoes who could have thrown CT in without chance of going against him. You ain't calling out CT unless you're a real dumb rookie who just wants legendary status. Corey's too smart for that. So it's just Kyle or Logan and he picks Logan. And I get it. The, the pick the rookie, um, you know, competitively Kyle's a good competitor. Logan's clearly showing he's a good competitor. It's not like you got an easier choice than the other, but I will say that he should have picked Kyle. Um, because you pick Kyle, and the reason you pick Kyle in this instance, if you think if you kind of view them both pretty evenly, is that Kyle hasn't done anything for you in this game to tell you he's some big ally or anything, so you don't got to worry about that. Um, you not picking Logan both kind of ingratiates him even more to Team Ruby, and if you were to win and go back to Team Ruby, you still got three strong dudes, and now you got you, Nelson, and Logan, who appreciates you even more for what you did for him. But specifically, you pick Kyle because then if you win and your odds are similar, odds of winning versus Kyle or Logan seem potentially similar. So you pick Kyle. If you win, you infiltrate Emerald and you replace replace whoever you want. You replace Manuel or maybe you replace Josh or Jeff, Devin, whoever you think gives you the strongest team. Whatever you do, you replace one of them. Whoever you replace, let's say it's Josh. You replace Josh. You send Josh over to Ruby. You're now on Emerald with six people, and Josh is over on Ruby with four people, five people, excuse me, but CT, who you are most worried about but don't have the stones for the right reasons to call out into elimination and try to beat, is now on a team with three people. So that's why simply the math of it is why I think he should have picked Kyle if he was pretty, you know, pretty even between Kyle or Logan. You pick Kyle because if you win you can then drop CT's team down to three people and this is huge disadvantage and that would have been huge. But he doesn't, he picks Logan. They play rope burn. Overall, the elimination, uh, B minus. Uh, the visuals for once, for the last three, four, five plus seasons, uh, the challenge has been big on 
you know, the pyro budget, the visual budget, the cameras, the, the drone footage, everything, that editing has gone to a new level. It is its own action movie of sorts. And sometimes it really, really is cool. Sometimes it's like we're doing a lot. We're spending a lot for not that much bang for our buck. This one was legit good bang for the buck. The visual was legit amazing. When this started, they're standing on top of the lit up domes, the ropes on fire. It looked amazing. It was so, so cool. And so I will give tip my cap props to the whole production team. Uh, This one you did hit a home run on the visual side, and it was worth whatever you spent, the creative energy that went into giving us this, this visual. Um, but as usual, I'm going to go with a B minus overall for the actual elimination itself. Uh, that's my score for the elimination. Uh, it was interesting. Um, and at first I got really, really excited cause I was like, Oh, I loved this, uh, elimination back when Jordan and Josh played it. I loved the version they just played on all stars with the two on two version where Mark and Kendall beat Katie and Latarian, there we go. Didn't mess that up. And uh, just did the All-Stars 2 preview pod. Part of it recorded earlier, so I was actually been had that on mind. Anyways, um, so I was like, I'm into this elimination. But then it came up, and yet again, uh, question on the rules. Always have questions on the rules. This one seemed to be clear, though, that it was the rope was just long enough for both of them to hold on to. And you were not allowed to move your hands up the rope. You were not allowed to try to pull the rope in. So it was no tug of war. So as silly as it seemed early on when they're just swinging in circles and whatever, they're clearly not allowed to actually like move their hands up the rope closer to the fire part, which eventually just extinguished as they swung it around anyways. But um, still, it was probably super duper hot. You don't want to put your hands on it. But it was no tug of war. It was purely a balance. And could you throw the other person off balance by, you know, throwing this thing from side to side? So that dropped it down for me. I wish this, I would have really liked for this to be a full on, just a, just a repeat. And, you know, you can do it on top of the cages. It looks cooler. You can light it on fire. I don't care. Um, but I uh, would have loved if there was more of an actual tug of war element versus just a balance element. But anyways, um, why can't we know the rules? Why can't we know the rules? Um, it eventually isn't, isn't all that interesting of an elimination. Uh, there is a brief moment right at the beginning where Logan loses his balance and you're like, Ooh, he almost goes down. And then the moment he regains from there on out, Corey's a mess, Logan's steady and Logan gets to win. The best moment of the entire (laughs) elimination is actually Josh who turns to his team and on his team is Tori, who he seems to be speaking directly to in this moment because she was the one that was there and heavily involved in the moment and says, oh, this is giving me so much PTSD of when when Jordan beat me. And there are so many things that are funny about him doing that, not least of which is that Jordan proposed to Tori after winning that elimination. And uh, she's now standing on that podium with, uh, in the moment, boyfriend Manuel standing there not having any idea what the two of them are talking about. Um, also just hilarious that Josh admits to having PTSD over that iconic victory by Jordan in that elimination. Uh, one of my all time favorite, uh, eliminations from one of my all time favorite people in Jordan, big, big Jordan fans over here. Anyways, that, that little moment on the podium is probably the best moment of the whole elimination. Logan wins and, uh, all that Emmy rookie of the year, Emmy rookie of the year, Emmy rookie of the year talk, Logan rookie of the year. Maybe maybe a rookie of the year run here for Logan. Maybe this is a big Logan episode, but ups big props to him. 
loving Logan, have loved him all season. And as bummed as I am to see Corey go home, as bummed as I am to see Corey not get to fulfill his vengeful plan, um, I am happy to see Logan stick around and keep a, a couple rookies a little bit longer into the game um, and see a vet actually go home, even if it's a vet that we really liked and had a really, really good episode in Corey. So that's the episode overall, the final note of just kind of that whole episode overall before we move into our awards. Is this... Um, we mentioned it either last week on the recap pod or maybe on one of the last review preview pods. I'm not sure which one it was on, but either way, we mentioned once before that this was starting to look like it's not only the format kind of, uh, without the switching team saying of cutthroat and that this kind of turned into cutthroat two. And there may have been, there's rumors out there unsubstantiated rumors by certain Instagram accounts that this was supposed to be a full season of Cutthroat 2 and uh, wasn't for different reasons, but um, that this is really, really playing out the same way that Cutthroat did back on season 20 as far as the teams are considered where uh, the Emerald Cell is the red team. What is to this season what the red team was to Cutthroat. Now, the small difference is that back on Cutthroat, there are the three teams and there was there was kind of the misfit team, which was the gray team, and then there was the blue team, which had all the champs and had all it was was stacked with the champs. Had bananas, had Derek, had Emily Schramm. She wasn't a champ, but Jen had Jen with two ends, who I just love and take any moment to say Jen with two ends because love her. Um, but it was this kind of stacked team that kept getting dwindled throughout slowly but surely all of them dwindled out of there and then the red team who's just really solid had good team chemistry and who kept winning and winning everything and kept the numbers and by the end of it we got to a final where the red team just had way more people they were all pretty solid the blue team had none of those champs left there was just two of them Jen and jen and emily so they did have a champ left excuse me emily or no did she only win once on anyways uh still had a uh oh all-time player left but only two people and then still had a couple people left on the misfit team who Gave it a good run, but ultimately could never get their shit together to actually pull off a victory. And this season's been looking a lot like that. And the whole the red team Emerald Cell parallels are getting more and more and more. Just the numbers advantage is what's keeping them. You know, they win a couple early, and then the numbers advantage just keeps them in front, in power, in control, and they just run shit the whole way through. And it looks like they're well on their way. If this finals is teams and they still have five or six people and still have Tori and Casey as the, the female side, they they might just run away with this the same way that red team did. And the only difference is that CT and Ashley haven't gone home yet, the way Bananas and Derek did on for that blue team. So the, 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 the Sapphire team has been dwindled down numbers-wise, but it isn't quite replicated what happened to the blue team back on cutthroat of the champions and the heavy hitters on the team getting eliminated or getting thrown against each other and eliminated. That could happen. Maybe if Ashley goes home next week, then this legit becomes like carbon copy of cutthroat all over again. But the parallels are getting stronger by the week and looking better and better for Emerald by the week. So that's the episode breakdown. It was a long one. Thanks for still being here. Let's talk awards now, shall we? Time to hand out some hardware. And as always, we have five awards, but not as always. We aren't handing out the first one because 
Best strategy and worst strategy are always our first two awards. And guess what? No one gets an award for best strategy this week. We'll at least give a mention to Tori for being the only one that suggests throwing in CT. But no one wins best strategy because only one person wins any strategy award this week, and that is the entire Emerald Cell. And specifically, I'm looking at you, Devin and Josh. Why did you not pick CT? It's so obvious. It's the only move. It's literally... You should have done this every single time. This is your second chance to do it, second blown opportunity. I don't know if you're going to get more, but it's the worst strategy we've seen all season. It's one of the worst strategies we've seen of all time. You've got to throw him in. He's going to beat you in the final. I'm sorry. I, you got to be a little more self-aware, and I know you are because earlier in the season, you mentioned that our only chance of winning the final is him not being in it, so get him out of it. At least try who cares if he wins each one of them? What's he going to come back mad at you? Whatever. He ain't working with you anyways. So worst strategy award, the only nominee that there ever could be, worst strategy of the season is the entire Emerald Cell, specifically Josh and Devin, who I thought I had hopes for would be the ones who would make this a little more dramatic for CT. And they chose not to. So no best strategy award because no one deserves it when such bad strategy was had. Worst strategy to Josh Devon and the whole Emerald Cell squad. That means you two, Emmanuel, Tori, Nani, Casey, you all get the worst strategy for this episode. All right. Best quote. Uh, uh, kind of light on uh, great quotes this episode, to be honest with you. I actually started really, really hot. Two of them immediately in like the first couple minutes, and then uh, we only ended up with four nominees, and one of them we really kind of almost had to stretch to get there. So if you're listening, and I, I, I feel like I have to have missed one or two really good ones here, let me know over at on Instagram at Challenge Historian. But our four nominees, first one is Emmy who explains to us right at the top of the episode, now that she's back with Uncle CT, how happy she is because Uncle CT is one of her two idols in life. Is who And who is one of your other idols in life, Emmy? Let's go ahead and hear about both of them, please. Where CT goes, I go. He's one of my idols. He's an example that I have to follow. Like Lady Gaga is for me as a singer. CT and Lady Gaga. I mean, both phenomenal. So, you know, can't fault her there. Two, two great people to look up to. If you're, if you're anywhere near as successful as either one, you're doing something right. So good on her. Then we got Amanda, who is on a new team and who has to endure everyone on that team, plus Kyle, of course, talking shit about her being on that new team. And she has some thoughts about the team and the color and everything related to Ruby. So let's hear those. So I'm now on the Ruby cell. Love the color. Hate the team. No one has welcomed me. And honestly, they're all acting like I'm this terrible player. If they're going to not welcome me on their team and they're going to treat me like I'm a player, then I'm going to act like a player. So they better watch how they treat me. <laughs> Third nominee is then Kyle. Of course, Kyle. Even in an episode light on high quality quotes, Kyle's always going to sneak at least one real good confessional in there. And he does here at the Daily Challenge when he describes his feelings when Ashley just keeps yelling at him and yelling at him and telling him to go underwater and go underwater. And she thinks that he is something that he is not. So let's let Kyle explain that. She thinks I'm some sort of fish boy who has gills on the side of his neck, who can actually breathe underwater, who doesn't need oxygen. 
Sorry, Ashley, I'm not a fish boy. And then finally, it's very brief, and it's kind of in the background. It might be hard to hear when I play it here in a moment, but uh, TJ might secretly be the one who's convincing production to up that pyro budget uh, each and every season for a while now because TJ gets real excited when he gets to announce not only that they are lighting the rope on fire, but then when he actually gets to give the command to light that bleep up. Uh, so let's hear him, uh, TJ himself, say that. Let's light this up. Here we go! Oh, my God. Anytime TJ is enthused is a good time for challenge fans. It means we're getting to see something awesome. And again, that visual of that whole thing was awesome. Um, so those are your four nominees for best quote. I'm going to go ahead and give the award to Amanda, who I don't know if she's won one. She's been nominated quite a few times this season. Don't know if she's won, but best quote to Amanda. Love the color. Hate the team. Uh, loved everything about that quote. So best quote to Amanda. Let's talk best moment, which there was a lot of nominees for this, this episode. No one clear dominating moment the way Big T on the floaty or Amanda explaining childbirth of the last couple weeks has been. Six nominees. First one, the Tori Emanuel hookup is great. Classic challenge hookup. Uh, going to the bathroom, a cast member accidentally interrupting you. Uh, everything about it is hilarious. Their whole, we're just plumbers. We're, we're working on the plumbing thing is funny enough. Um, so everything about that moment, very, very fun. The Josh Logan chat in Espanol, uh, again, is legitimately just like a really like heartwarming, nice human moment between the two and was really, really nice to see and was a really, uh, a really good thing to hear about, hear discussed and see in action discussed on a season with so many international players, so many players with English as a second language. It was really cool to see that moment. It was a really heartwarming moment. So that is a nominee. Third nominee is at the beginning of... Sapphire's turn uh, for the daily challenge. They are do their little like pre-challenge in the moment interview group uh, interview. And Ashley just straight up says with Kyle standing right behind her, you know, like we got to do a job. We got to give it our all because it's guys day. And if we lose, you know, Kyle's probably going in. So like we got to win for Kyle and Kyle in the back is like, excuse me, what the fuck? And He's actually like totally flabbergasted by it and has a great moment of honesty for Ashley, who's seeing the chessboard very clearly. He's like, yeah, we don't win. They ain't picking CT. They're a bunch of dummies. So Kyle's probably going in, and the whole thing's hilarious. That's a great moment. Um, then Kyle in nominations, owning up to not being able to make promises because he obviously won't keep them. That little moment, straight comment, is very, very fun. Um, even could have been a quarter of the week nominee, his little monologue there. Um, fifth nominee, Corey on the warpath. We talked about it, but we loved everything about Corey. Just immediately being like, nah, I ain't talking to you, Devin. Josh, I'll talk to you, but I'm only going to talk to you. Talk shit. Talk my plan. Talk this strategy. I'm going to come for you. We're going to see each other in the stand. I loved everything about Corey on the warpath there. So that's nominee number five. But the nominee number sixth and the moment of the episode for me personally, and this is definitely one that, you know, uh, you gotta maybe maybe it's because of my overwhelming love for War of the Worlds two as a season. Uh, if you're watching this on video, you'll see over my shoulder. It's one of the one of the uh, seasons commemorated on my wall behind me. My wall of mostly challenge pictures and paraphernalia and whatnot. There, War of the Worlds two is commemorated. I absolutely love that season. I absolutely love 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 Jordan and that elimination where he beats Josh. And so 
to have Josh turn to his team, but really to Tori, who was the one that was there about to be proposed to by Jordan in the moment um, and have Josh bring up all oh, this gives me PS- PTSD of when, when, when Jordan beat me on war of the worlds too. It's just, it was so hilarious. And to those of us who are uh, not even that long term of challenge fans, war of the worlds too, not only a few seasons ago, but who could fully appreciate that callback and everything that was going on in that little tiny moment. That's the moment of the episode for me personally. I just, laughed my ass off when that happened. Um, and there's just a lot more going on there than what's even just being said in that one sentence. So that's the moment of the episode for MVP. Uh, four people got votes. Uh, first one receiving votes is Josh, uh, who got some shine in this episode and also had both the moment of the episode with when he says that to Tori, but also had one of the, the real maybe moment of the episode. He and Logan's chat was really, again, for the final time, really heartwarming and cool and interesting and uh, necessary, I felt like, on this season. So that was really, really awesome. But he's also just a central part of the episode. He kind of takes over who's running things on the Emerald team, not Devin so much as Josh kind of seems to be. So he gets some votes. Amanda gets some votes. She gets a lot of screen time. She has, you know, the best quote. She does the Titanic move that we could have maybe even said for for moment of the week. Um, She's very much front and center of a lot that's going on. So she gets some votes. Logan then. He also gets a lot of votes. Some would argue maybe he should be the MVP of the episode, both for that awesome moment with Josh that we've talked about at length and also for winning the elimination. But I can't give it to Logan because I'm giving it to Corey because, one, he went home, and so we got to give it to him before we can't. Uh, But also, at least Corey was trying to do shit this whole season. Once it became obvious that the vets had to start at least kind of in a little way targeting each other, the only one trying to do anything. He he had a real good season. I liked everything we got from him, and he had a really great moment. I got legitimately like hyped up right when he got voted in, and I was like, "Fuck, they made a huge mistake. They should have voted for CT." But now Corey's going on the war path. I love everything he's saying. I love everything he's doing. I was getting real, real hyped up in a way that I, you know, Corey. I, I really, really like Corey. He isn't one in my like top tier like. Uh, like the people I'm like super duper in love with that would normally just them getting thrown into an elimination would get me super hyped. There's a handful of people that have that happens to, but he worked his way there off of his actions and what he did immediately after getting nominated. So everything he did, I just thought it was great. I really, really loved and appreciated that immediately once he gets, uh, sent home, that the only thing he thinks about is just to turn and tell Nelson and give him a little pep talk and be like, yo, it's your time. You got to do this. You got to get to the final. You got to win. You can do this. I believe in you. I love you. Do this. And then he goes to his little exit interview, and he doesn't say a single thing about him or what happened or him getting eliminated. It's just purely, you know, my guy Nelson's still up there. It's hard to leave him. I want him to win. I want him to get that money. He and his mom need that money. I want him to win. All of it. It was just so heartwarming and great. And does it in any way redeem Nelson throwing himself in and end up going home on Total Madness for Corey? No. But it just shows the bond between them. It's the only of all the best friend talk in this game and all the really good friend talk that happens in this game and all the moments they try to play up um, as real as they are, as fake as they sometimes are. 
of people, you know, really, really riding for each other, whatever. The Nelson Corey thing always and forever will be the most genuine friendship we've maybe ever seen in the challenge house. And we've seen play out over season after season after season. And we've seen huge touching moments like Nelson throwing himself in in total madness. So anytime one of them just like goes on and on about, you know, how much they want to see the other one succeed is always going to pull your heartstrings and it, it helps Corey get the last few votes he needs to win MVP of this episode. So we say goodbye to a legend in the game, to a true all-star of the game. He may not have a win, but he's got a bunch of finals. He's got a bunch of great moments. And he's been a staple, a face of the franchise, an all-star in every single way of the challenge. That is Corey. We say goodbye to him. And we say goodbye to our awards segment. Let's move into the final portion of this podcast and talk power rankings, update those. There's some big movement in the power rankings and then add to our season-long predictions before getting out of here and ending this show. Power ranking time. And these, uh, the more we've talked about these on the podcast and the more we've posted these on social media, which we did for the second or third time this week, the more controversial they become. Uh, but there is some big movement uh, to some degree, at least on the male side, and a little bit of movement on the female side as well on the power rankings this week. So let's update those. And this week we'll start with the female side um, as we've alternated back and forth going as we like to do the going into the next episode is going to be female or male elimination. That's the one we kind of like to talk about first. So on the female side of things, our power rankings are as follows. We'll say them in full, and then we'll discuss why they're where they are. We've got Casey 1, Ashley 2, Tori 3, Nani 4, Emmy 5, Big T 6, Amanda 7th. So seven women left, seven men left, 14 people left. Female power rankings, Casey stays at the top. That's, that's a no-brainer. She's sitting pretty, and as we saw from the next week on, that if anyone on Emerald team is Emerald Cell, sorry, is going to be threatened that Casey and Nani and their relationship is going to keep them a little bit more safe than Tori possibly being infiltrated or chosen for an elimination if someone from their team has to go in. Um, so that keeps her number one. And we just think she's she's walking her way to a championship right now. If she can avoid injury like last time, I think she's going to get that title unless she and CT are on separate teams and it is a team thing, then maybe, maybe not. But maybe they end up on the same team. Who knows? Uh, that's a prediction for another day. Ashley moves all the way up to number two on this version, this this week of the rankings, mostly because I see Sapphire now uh, getting stronger and stronger now that another team also only has four. They only have one big disadvantage to overcome instead of two teams with a big advantage of the, over them. Um, but also, I think that getting that one elimination win that Big T and Amanda are at the bottom of this ranking because I just feel like one of them is going to get called out unless Ruby team wins, which I don't see any way they're winning an elimination now next week with only four people and none of them being enthused about being on the team that they're on. Uh, I just feel like the next elimination is going to be those two versus each other, and that's why they're in sixth and seventh on this. And I think Ashley being the vet champ that CT ultimately, if he had to pick between Emmy and Ashley, who he really wants there for him in the final, he's going to go with Ashley. So that's why she's in second, Emmy's in fifth, uh, Tori and Nani between those two in third and fourth because they're on the dominant team and seem like they may be able to get to the final without 
having to actually go into an elimination. So that's the female side. On the male side, uh, top two didn't change. Everything after that has changed considerably. Top two are CT, and then for the second week in a row, I can't believe I'm saying it, but Josh is number two. Um, Again, these rankings based on who I think will make this final as well as who I think could then win this final. This is not who I think is the best players in this game. There was a lot of feedback when I posted last week's power rankings on Instagram that like, how could Josh be this high? How could Devin? Why is Logan not higher? Why is Kyle so low? He's a great player. Um, And again, this is not who do I think is the best challenge player in a vacuum. This is who will, who do I think is about to make this final and who has a chance of winning the final if they were to make it. CT, I still stand by. He's going to win and another, another victory for him. Uh, Another silent victory on this episode for him not getting thrown in. It's the last time I'll say it, but. God damn, you fucking idiots. Um, but he doesn't get thrown in. He stays at number one. Josh stays at number two. He just seems like he's in the power position on the best team that keeps winning and keeps winning and keeps him safe is also Devin clearly by making those moves towards Nelson and Corey right after they threw Corey in or trying to make those moves toward them and trying to make it known like Josh is the one going at other people, not me, is clearly Devin realizing maybe Josh has the more, most power in the firm alliance is Josh Casey Nani here. And Casey might even pick Emmanuel over me because uh, of his endurance and running abilities. So uh, Josh, number two, Nelson's number three. I like where Nelson is at now on Ruby. I don't think anyone else is going to call. Nelson might get thrown into an elimination if there's two more guys elimination just because his team's not going to win fucking any of these daily challenges now. But um, I don't think anyone's picking him to go against because he is really good in eliminations and he's really, really strong. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, CT would call out any of them because he wouldn't have any problem calling out any of them. But I feel like uh, the next guy's elimination is either Emmanuel versus someone if if uh, Emerald actually loses. And, you know, Emmanuel, Josh, and Devin are all very, very likely candidates. And if they keep winning then like it's just going to be Logan versus Kyle. And then whoever wins that gets to pick basically if they would want to go against CT or Nelson, which I guess could then be Nelson, but I would see Nelson winning. So it was Nelson's third. Logan moves up to fourth by getting a much better position on the Sapphire team, which I think is now if the teams just did the final right now, I think Sapphire would win even with four versus six and that probably being a disadvantage. I think they have really, really strong four. Um, So Logan moves up. Devin is in fifth. Emmanuel and Kyle are in sixth and seventh, and that is simply because if I had to bet, I would say the next guy's elimination is those two probably going, potentially going against each other, or in Emmanuel's case, being the one who is infiltrated next time a guy's elimination comes around, and even if they win and they're safe, that the Emerald Cell finally would be infiltrated. They would take Emmanuel, the rookie, and move him to then the completely disbanded ruby or sapphire cell so that's why those two are at the bottom on to predictions so far on the season we've made 13 season long predictions we'll add a new one this week it's getting hard to keep adding when you have this many season long predictions uh it gets hard not to just every week say like this person will make the final this person won't um which is most of them but a recap uh we've got two right going in to this 
to uh, coming out of this week, we have two season long predictions, right? Those are Tori has five plus partners. She had four partners was on her way to a fifth. And then the team we counted as a fifth, same thing. CT is going to be picked as a partner two plus times. He was on his way to being picked a second time when they went to teams. He was then picked because of him two different more times. So we count both of those as wins. We are also officially, we don't care. This is our rules, our podcast. We're counting. We said a few weeks ago, Ruby team is the cast-offs team. Everyone wants off at two-plus Ruby team members will volunteer for elimination to make the switch. Two people haven't volunteered yet. One did, Emmy. But three people have left the team and clearly wanted to the whole time. So we're giving ourselves a win on that one. So we've got three right. We've also got three wrong. We said Fessy would be the first vet targeted. That was wrong. We said Ed would make the final. That was wrong. We said Anissa would make the final. That was wrong. Still in play. CT is going to win. Still in play. Probably correct. Devin will make it further than Josh. Still in play, but looking like it might end up in a tie. Josh and Amber will make the, will not make the final. Half right. Josh is looking like he's going to prove this one wrong. We will not see any more DQs for injury or fighting. Still in play and looking way better now that Logan seems to be totally in the clear on his injury front. Devin will not see an elimination unless rule or purge forces everyone to do so. That is still in play. The final challenge will be individual, not in team. Still in play, but looks wrong. And CT and Tori will end up on the same team for the final. Oddly, do actually feel better about it after this episode, even though Tori was the only one who wanted to throw in CT, I do feel better that eventually Tori's going to find herself on the outs with Emerald Cell and maybe find her way over to Sapphire Cell or vice versa. CT might say, you know what? Looking pretty good if I could just be on Tori and Casey's team. Seems like we would win and maybe goes over there. Either way, I think that one's looking good. So 13 predictions. We've got three right, three wrong, seven still in play. New one. Nani does not see an elimination. Nani, actually, I guess it's saying Nani see, goes to the final. Either way you want to look at that, we're saying Nani does not see an elimination. We're adding that one as our 14th season-long prediction. If we go above 500 on all of these, what will eventually be like 17 different season-long predictions, then hats off to me. But those are our predictions. Those are our power rankings. Those are our awards. Those are our recaps. Those are everything we thought about this episode, and that is all for this podcast. So thank you for sticking with us all the way till the very end of this. Um, as always, we very much appreciate you being here. We also very much appreciate if you hit that follow, subscribe, like, review, whatever you can do to help support this podcast. We love you for it. Um, the independent podcast community is one that takes really dedicated listeners to make anything of these podcasts. So you listening right now, legitimately, thank you, thank you, thank you. It it doesn't mean a lot. I say that I say that every week, but I say it because I actually mean it. Um, I really, 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 truly mean it. So thank you for being here. As we stated at the top of this podcast, uh, if you're done listening to this, I assume if you love the challenge, you're probably super hyped for All-Stars. All-Stars 2 starts next week. Our preview extravaganza, probably up to a two-hour-long podcast. Sorry, not sorry. Um, is coming out any minute now from when you're listening to this. It'll be out today, sometime later today, so that we're ready and on schedule so that next week we can start recap pods of All-Stars as well. So you're going to have Spies, Lies, and Allies recaps super late Wednesday night, first thing Thursday morning. You're going to have All-Stars 2 recaps coming on Thursdays. You're going to have Tuesday review previews of both shows at the same time starting, I guess not next week because All-Stars won't have started yet, so two weeks from now. But you're going to have three podcasts a week. Follow, subscribe. You won't miss an episode. I assume if you love the challenge, you're going to be watching both episodes. And this is my one moment. I will plea with you 
please, if you are one of the people that maybe is a little less enthused on Spies, Lies, and Allies and is super jacked up for All-Stars to start again, that's great. That's amazing. Watch All-Stars. Love All-Stars. Revel in All-Stars. But don't stop watching Spies, Lies, and Allies and don't stop listening to the recaps for this show because this episode definitely heated things back up a little bit and I think we're in for a real, real nice stretch of three, four episodes of tension and suspense and fun and drama here on Spies, Lies, and Allies. So all three podcasts will be coming your way every week in the future. And as we also stated, this Saturday, check our YouTube, Challenge Historian on YouTube, our pitch to Muna Murray, to Paramount, to MTV for the greatest season of the challenge there could ever possibly be. A way to merge, spoiler alert, merge All-Stars with the regular season. Bring the best of both worlds into one amazing, fantastic season. That'll be this Saturday on our YouTube channel. Maybe one day on the podcast feeds, but probably not. This one's uh, more of a little video heavy. So uh, make sure you're checking that out. If you want to watch the podcast, You can watch on YouTube if you like listening. You're on Spotify. You're on Apple Podcasts. Follow, subscribe, rate, review. Follow us on Instagram. More and more content coming out there every single week. That is where all updates will always be found. And with that, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. I look forward to talking to you again later today, maybe even tomorrow, whenever you want to listen to All Stars 2. I look forward to talking to you next week to review, preview episode 14, to talk about and recap episode 14, to talk all things challenge. I love it. I know you do too, and I appreciate you being here. So with that, end of this podcast. Talk to you later. Peace.